This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. And before I get the show going, I would like to offer a contextual grounding and trigger warning ahead of time. Now, I do talk with a friend who's about five years my junior but we talk about how parenting seems to be a little too loose and i make suggestions about well you know a little fear kind of kept me in line i suppose which okay fear is dark side stuff so obviously i don't want to endorse that more just observations and this movie that we're going to discuss house is about a vietnam veteran who's living in a haunted house and seems to have to confront all his PTSD while not really being overtly about PTSD. It just kind of left me thinking, like, and it's an apples and oranges situation, but how screwed up boomers must be since they didn't have the treatments that they have now for treating post-traumatic stress syndrome. And on top of that, cinemas made Vietnam look like a far more intense situation, so it makes it seem like that Vietnam veterans definitely have more to deal with, and it's probably been unaddressed. But I don't want to say that I'm calling Afghan PTSD, uh, Iraq War PTSD victims softer than them it's totally different messed up situations i'm not a soldier i just don't want to offend anyone of course if you can uh, point me in the right direction uh, about stuff that'll educate me greatly appreciated my twitter handle is at cat that's what i prefer you to use to bitch about the show anyhow enlighten me please before that we'll talk about another movie it'll be brief and I hope you enjoy. 90 for Chill, the podcast, presents to you a reason to maintain a Netflix DVD subscription. Now your job here is simply to set claim to an archaeological discovery of alien origin. The find was discovered a few meters below the surface of Titan by a geological research team from NTI. Why didn't the team claim it? Because the only survivor crashed into the Concorde on his return, and we can only assume that the rest of the team is dead. According to the first expedition, the stuff is over 200,000 years old. It was alive. It was waiting for us. When we landed on this moon here, then there were 22 of us. One by one of my guys. <laughs> died, killed by something that had waited for them 2,000 centuries. Now it's waiting for us. Good luck. And I've concluded watching Creature from 1985, a Transworld Entertainment film, which means it's a B-movie, which is actually in the public domain, so I probably should have researched it a little further before I added it into my Netflix queue and then pushed Move to the Top, because I'm sure that there's probably a better transfer on Tubi right now, and I don't see that movie leaving Tubi anytime soon. But it is... 
what what culture horror says was a knockoff of Alien and some other features I can't really recall, but you get a mind control being. So I guess Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, could be said. So the two top things from the 1970s horror scene reimagined in 1985. So this is very cheap and you can't really count on any movie to be good that obviously rips off Star Wars sound effects. In this case, you get laser blast every time the door opens. And when our ship crash lands on the alien planet where they're trying to investigate something, it sounds like they're going through the Battle of the Death Star from the original. So yes, pretty sloppy. And that's pretty much what uh, dominates it, unfortunately. The narrative goes a little bit all over the place because they're trying to take from so much stuff but when you get a crazy Klaus Kinski in it that kind of makes it worthwhile or worth your time maybe there's a good reel on the YouTube where you can just get all the best bits of the film and there are some fun gore effects I'm not saying they're great but you know you get some decapitated heads you get heads exploding And, you know, what were those other movies missing? Some nudity, so you get that, too. And honestly, with some of it, how it plays out, it really gives me some Event Horizon vibes. Like, I could see somebody like a Paul W.S. Anderson or even Ridley Scott, because I could say, well, this doesn't make at least, well, I should say, kind of makes the same amount of sense as Prometheus. It's an interesting film, so if you're into horror and sci-fi i mean this isn't a great film it's definitely not great in a four by three ratio and there's nothing clever about the direction so it's very much shot in the shadows so you don't really have to see how poor the alien knockoff monster is so this isn't galaxy of terror or the forbidden world some classics from roger corman this is um just some fun ideas put on film and i see it could inspire some people will i say it's a good movie no what i will say though is this should be featured in next year's b fest up at northwestern in february so it's got a lot of potential to entertain maybe not for the right reasons but as i say boobs head busting decapitations that's kind of the schlock we look for Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. And thanks again for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. You can follow what I'm watching on Letterboxd. The username is all one word, Darth. And if you need to or feel more comfortable listening to this at home say on an Amazon Echo or a Google Nest, just ask for the most recent podcast by, or I should say, play the most recent podcast by Russ Stevens. It's cool to be firsties on something. With all that said, Gregory Carl is back on the show to save my butt. I'd like to have a guest for every episode of Spooky Month, like I did last year. So thanks again for his suggestion of House on a previous podcast. 
He also mentioned the McPherson tape, and we do just talk about, and yeah, we just went with what I knew he liked. So, with all that said, uh, House is a movie from 1985 about, as I said in the context warning, a Vietnam veteran who lives in a haunted house to get inspiration for his Vietnam memoirs and possibly find his son that may have been taken by the house. So that's what we're up with this week. I mean, if you want to be on the show, just offer me a horror movie or something spooky. Rustabus07 at gmail.com is the email address. Love to hear from you. With all that said, not much new in my life. Just, um joined a trivia team that was formed on bumble so if you're at poor bros and champagne look out for the bumblebees and yeah i guess i'm just a little feeling a little stagnant when you don't have people jumping up to be on the show that can do that as well so but that's where my head's at i'm doing all right otherwise uh really exhausted like i'm just trying to get this done by seven o'clock so i can do my typical tuesday tweet storm but yeah, I guess that pretty much sums everything up. Again, I'd love to hear from you and love to host you on the podcast. Just offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. Just keep it focused as 100-minute material. And I think we'll have some fried podcast gold. Otherwise, just, you know, if that's too tricky, throw a movie my way and I'll make it work. So thanks again for coming to 90 for Chill the Podcast and enjoy the show. This is a house where no one should live. Roger Cobb has come here alone. But no one is ever alone in the house. Leave while you can. No! Sandy. found a new home. House. Enter at your own risk. Pardon the interruption, but before we get into the show, just one more thing. So my conversation with Gregory started about his debut at pinfall wrestling in springfield so we go and talk about that for about 10 minutes but since it's not really the movie i decided to just tack that at the end of the the recording so after david Tennant requests a wahoo if you're not a wrestling fan or you don't want to hear springfield wrestling trashed go and uh stop the pod Superman. It was fun talking about wrestling. I don't know if I'm going to keep that all on there, but this is talk about this movie. Oh yes, exactly. So uh, more or less just the language. I think we can go and uh, contain things. This was an R-rated movie, which I think should have probably been PG-13 if they would have gotten rid of Richard Mall saying dropping some uh, f-bombs in the Vietnam flashbacks, but. Yes, yeah, so this is 90 for Chill, the podcast. My guest this weekend doing me quite a favor, coming on last moment 
and I kind of owe him an appearance after the Kevin Smith uh, podcast just didn't uh, go through. I thought I had a good panel set up and it just wasn't going to work out. So it is once again, Gregory Carl, and I believe he recommended this feature a while ago. So we are, we are talking about the movie house from 1986. So, Have you ever seen this movie before now? No, this was the first time. I, I knew a lot of people talked well of it. I've got a co-worker who I'm trying to get on the show to uh, talk about Night of the Demons. A co-worker who's got a reputation from other guests. Like, oh yeah, he 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 helped me get here. I knew this because of him. All right, so I want to get to that, um, the horse's mouth there uh, at some point. Um Yes. Um, buddy Eric Kisner used to rent this movie at City Video way back in the day. Uh, yeah, and as I say, that this was cool. Mm-hmm. Back when box art mattered. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say misleading. It's just you don't, I mean, it's not like this is kind of Evil Dead Light in a sense. Like, you know, the house is going to start, like, the Marlin is going to start. Uh, that's on the wall, mounted on the wall, is going to start doing some stuff. Um, I mean, that's the extent, I guess, of the how you know stuff. I would say, like, oh yeah, you'd see that in Evil Dead, but that is a deep ass V on his sweater. I'm sorry, I've had it on in the background for okay. I haven't noticed as the sweater he was wearing. Yeah, no, there. Yes, yeah, still very. 80s maybe a little 70s hangover in all honesty like that so this movie is about a art author i think it's roger cobb who uh aunt who raised him uh committed suicide right at the beginning in this old house that she always said was haunted and is also the place where his son uh seemed to seemingly disappeared which led to his divorce kind of like a minority effect bit when you think about that like the wife saying oh the reason i got rid of tom cruise was because when i looked at him i saw my son um so yeah mrs hooper was her name um so the movie starts i think with it like kind of gives me some phantasm vibes in all honesty like you got a great score and it's kind of selling you like this is going to be like a dreamy movie, like uh, very much uh, dependent on a like this isn't reality. What is reality, I guess? And um, so Mrs. Hooper commits suicide found by the uh, essentially the uh, Instacart guy. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, Roger Cobb is being pressured to find his uh to write a new novel. He's eventually this essentially Stephen King, um, and I would imagine Stephen King's had those weird ass book signings. <laughs> Not to say that most signings aren't like that. In all honesty, regardless if you're a famous horror author. Yeah, I could never make myself go to one of those things. As much as I like certain people and whatnot, like I, I could never make myself do a thing like that. Yeah, I mean, it's um, those are awkward. I mean, um, 
I mean, I talked a lot this summer about Kevin Smith um, autograph signing. But, hey, for to my credit, Kevin Smith did like one of the tweets to promote my uh, Clerks 3 episode of 90 for Shield the Podcast. So I'm getting there. an article about a Tusca sequel. Yeah, they are going to do one. I I I should have just actually thrown that your way, but I didn't check I the runtime on Tusk. I don't know if they heard your idea. Um, Maybe me and Kevin Smith got high at the same time and we telepathically linked up. <laughs> um, you know, I have not shopped around enough, I guess, in um, when it comes to dispensaries to see if they got a Kevin Smith, uh, any of Kevin Smith's kind of veins. I'll what? bet he's got strain. Oh like, yeah, a weed strain these days. Oh no, I'm I'm certain he does. Uh, which is fun again in Clerks Three, like uh, Jay and by it. So you got the quick stop. Well, of course the video store isn't working it operating anymore. And if you see Jay and Silent Bob reboot, they first used it as if like a I think it was a roasted chicken front <laughs> for all their weed. Uh, in this movie, though, it's you know legal in New Jersey now. So there's a scene where somebody wants to buy some stuff from them, and like, hey, is anybody working in there? And they're like, what do you mean working? Well, I'd like to get a, I'd like to get a few, a three pre rolls. Okay, and then they, Jay and Silent Bob basically, <coughs> as they're standing outside their own store dispensary, <laughs> coughing trying to make it like no we're not selling a guy weed and the kid at the end what the hell is that bad that's how we did it in the 90s son <laughs> so uh yeah no clerks three definitely a it's it's close to the top five in his his uh filmography i would say uh chasing amy is always going to be my top clerks dogma probably say zach and miri and yeah one of his horror movies either tusk or red state could probably fill the fifth spot so but uh for somebody who's worked in customer services uh for the last 23 years it really hit close to home so it's gonna hold a special spot in my uh life so uh, i got to see it for its uh national debut so feel pretty cool about that and I, and I was told a lot of people were talking about it from Mike Hairdresser. And I was like, I don't know. I think there were more people for the Rift Tracks uh, Swamp Thing Returns mo- movie. So Fathom Event, I should say. But um, no, it's definitely going to be worthwhile. I still got to keep track to see when it was going to play in Chicago. Um, but uh, KMFDM is first when it comes to my next Chicago trip. So yeah so um you know this this movie house always had like is quick to have uh questions i guess like um how did mrs hooper end up getting a catholic funeral it seemed like because just how they did things back then well no suicide's always been one of those big things where you can't get buried on sacred ground I don't know. It could have been Episcopal or uh, Anglican. 
Like, but when I see that little white thing, you know, under, the, you know, on the collar, it's kind of like, I always assume uh, Catholics, but I don't know. I shouldn't be assuming anything. I am officially an ordained minister of the Universal Life Church. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, they're an authority on this shit now. <laughs> Well, I've not I haven't or I haven't ordered my paperwork yet, so don't don't expect me to marry anybody yet. You that was in, through there? Uh I don't know, because again, Universal Life Church, like I got inspired by it and did it drunkenly. Um, but it was again thanks to Kevin Smith, because when I was at his uh recording of Jay and Silent Bob gets old at get old at the uh fan expo in chicago uh they hosted a um they let they married a couple uh kevin smith's ordained through the same church uh stephen colbert as well basically any celebrity and uh you know their their vows were basically centered around the uh vows of the the green lantern corps so uh yeah it's more than judeo-christian stuff that's all i can say so yeah but i'm just saying like when somebody commits suicide and that could have been a uh you know there's so much that goes on in the movie i shouldn't actually even complain about that honestly like i mean she probably had some special pull i mean she had a house with like demons and stuff in her closet yeah so uh roger goes to the funeral uh then does a book signing and um he's got so roger's story though is that um his son just suddenly vanished and he's obsessed with it he keeps calling the fbi about it and mrs hooper his aunt says well the house took him that's why there's no trace of him and eventually, uh, so Roger has a nightmare of a of a demon grabbing his son in Vietnam of all places, which comes into play, especially since Roger thinks the next book has got to be about his experiences in Nam. And it's the mid '80s; everybody's writing about that, anyhow. Uh, which made me make an observation: um, how messed up are uh baby boomers um with their ptsd like millennials gen x yeah we dealt with the deserts and you know don't trust anybody who doesn't who's um speaking arabic um over you know when you're abroad but you know we didn't have to they i'm sorry our our soldiers who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, they didn't really have to deal with uh, jungles and such. Like, um, Vietnam still seems more intense. I'm not trying to downplay the experiences, but, you know, Vietnam seems far more intense. And then on top of that, the therapy options and everything for um, veterans back then compared to what we have now, it's like, I mean, geesh, maybe that, I don't, I don't know. It's like, is that why they still, you know, they, 
stick to conservative values they just wanted to be like home before they were deployed i i don't know vietnam gave us trump in other words I, that's what i'm saying because you got to be i think you got to be pretty screwed up somehow to vote for that guy but, come on man don't 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 put all that pressure on the on this beautiful movie well i this movie does a lot of stuff that makes you think like um like roger like upon you know getting talked to talked down to by his uh agent about come on just write another horror movie you got to get me something or you have to pay back your advance and then he goes to go to his apartment and throws a banquet dinner into the microwave and like when he opens his freezer and he's got like three or four banquet you know microwave meals there he's like oh gosh this is my life i mean i don't know why you're trashing a product in this movie as well i think banquet meals are all right they get the job done (laughs) and you can't you can't beat the price i mean so and this movie kind of made me think uh was this a rush it it couldn't have been because evil dead 2 i think was another two three years away um, but it kind of gives makes me feel like they were trying to rush you know it's just a weird time because they were, had a lot of vietnam movies being rushed out uh say so can't you know rambo 2 uh Ram- first blood part 2 ram rambo first blood part 2 was coming out in 1985 and canon film group answered that by releasing uh, both miss- missing in action and missing in action 2 in the same year to capitalize on the Vietnam craze. And, um, but like, or I guess you could definitely say you could see the influence of, say, Evil Dead on this, because there's a lot of com. Well, and that's a, that's, I guess I'd say there's a lot of comedy, but there's not really a lot of comedy in the original Evil Dead. That was all more or less in the second one. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, House 2 really leans into the comedy. That's what I've heard. I think they've said, like, um, at least watching What Culture videos out of my, uh, the town of my favorite football club, Newcastle upon Tyne. <laughs> um, I do watch a lot of What, Co- what Culture videos. And, um, yeah, they, they bring up, like, yeah, House 3 was a return to House 1, and well, no, we are kind of comfortable with house two. So, well, there's a third house. I think there's four houses. Damn, I stopped at two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's um. You know what's wild about this movie? Uh, how his neighbor just freely walks into his house. That's crazy these days. Oh, well, I mean, growing up in the 80s, uh, that was a time, it was a weird time, because I'd say through the mid-80s, we had uh, helping hand decals on windows. Like, oh, these are people you can trust. Uh, And I think there was probably a lot of underground buggering going on with that. So those disappeared by the 90s. Um. I don't know. I think I think it's in the 80s we'd like to think of it as safer times. 
And no, I think we were just wanting to be naive and a bunch of Reagan bullshit and honesty, like, oh, everything has to be well. We have this going on. Uh, basically just like come in uh, at one point like when he first meets him uh walks and so yeah he's like hey i got some people know you're famous so yeah i could bring that up uh so george went is in a lot of horror movies if you stop and think about it and maybe a lot is a over exaggeration but he's in-house um and then this uh the people who are distributing now on Shutter are the same people who distributed VFW. If you've seen that one, I've been mean to watch that. Actually. Oh gosh, that yeah, that is a uh, that is a good one. It's basically what you really want the expendables expendables to be like. I mean, the action's obviously not up on that level, but Grindhouse, you got. I mean, the Stephen Lang. Uh, Fred Williamson, Bill Sadler, Martin Cove, David Patrick Kelly from Commando, uh, and The Crow, if you know that, if uh, that's enough description of him. You know, he was, uh, gosh, I forgot his name in, in uh, oh, he was Sully in uh, Commando. You know, okay. uh, I like, I like, uh, you're funny, Sully. I like you. That's why I'll kill you last. <laughs> was Schwarzenegger's interaction with him. And then when he finally catches Sully and holding him over the cliff by his foot. Remember Sully when I told you I'd kill you last? Yeah, man, you did. I lied. <laughs> uh, he's also the guy who does the Warriors come out and play bit. So the bad guy from the Warriors. So. But okay, yeah. Guy. yeah so yeah he's so yeah they're all in it and uh some guys i know from podcasts are in it, and george wentz in it <laughs> and then uh george went i know was in um stuart gordon's well he was in the movie uh space truckers directed by stuart gordon stuart gordon's going to be best remembered for uh reanimator yeah um and he gets uh so he's in that movie, he gets uh probably the most gruesome death in that movie. It's a PG thirteen rated movie, so I can't you know, can't be that bad. I vaguely remember that movie. I think I it used to be on TNT back in the day. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like a monster vision. Uh Dennis Hopper is your lead. Um and then there's uh uh and I was like remember watching this really screwy movie i think on sci-fi channel called alien avengers i was looking it up today and it's like so that movie is like uh george went moves his family from space into the inner city because they like to just kill low lives <laughs> it's a comedy <laughs> uh and i'm really disappointed in vfw because it starts in a vfw so it's a bunch of guys sitting around a bar drinking and it's like you couldn't get um, George Rathisberger for this and make it an, you know, make it both Cliff and uh, Norm. I have to watch that, man. Yeah. I've been for, for a while. I think it's on Shutter, as I say. RJ, uh, RJL Entertainment is the uh, group that dist- now distributes House, and they distributed uh, 
VFW. I found it at, um, I mean, I rented it first, obviously, but I found it at um, Best Buy uh, for only like six bucks on 4K, uh, $7, 4K. So um, definitely something if you can get your hands on it. As I say, it's on Shutter, so you shouldn't really have to do any work. Uh, so, but we get back to uh, Roger. He moves into his... Um, inspired by his nightmare of his son being kidnapped by a demon in Vietnam. He moves back into his aunt's house, despite his uh, aunt saying it was haunted. And that's what took their, took his son and ruined his life. Um, He's got a hot wife who divorced him sadly because of all that trauma. And um, yeah about a night into it he finds a demon in a closet and it looks like he's going to full vietnam flashback and it's really spooking the hell out of his neighbor played by george went better norm better known as norm from cheers <laughs> so oh another thing with um uh george went i know he was in the la's uh adaptation of reanimator into a musical and I can't recall what uh, movie that George went was in that um, another horror movie under Stuart Gordon where they had to have his head severed. But I guess they used the prop of his hever- severed head in the reanimator musical. So, um, but yeah, as you said, it's very weird that uh, at least today that George went just pretty much walks into the house whenever he wants. Um, so, so with uh, Roger fi- dealing with a demon in the closet and starting to seemingly go into Vietnam flashback mode, uh, George Wentz's concern calls his ex-wife which is another weird thing I caught. They didn't get the ex-wife didn't give a a five 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 number as their daytime number. So, if you want to go and prank somebody, call the number they give in this movie. It's like eight six seven five three zero nine, I suppose. Which is another movie I really I don't know. I got to check the runtime on, but um, definitely getting a lot of support nowadays. Jennifer's body. Oh yeah, I always kind of like that movie. It's not a bad flick. No, it just—I uh, think it was just anti Megan Fox <laughs> moment at the time. Like, did it get a lot of hate? I don't remember that movie getting any hate. Um, nobody saw it. That's why it didn't really get any hate. I think everybody was like, "Oh, Megan Fox leady as a, as your advertised lead." <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't know. I'm almost to the point where I say any movie with Lance Hendrickson is worth a watch. I I don't know, but then I've watched the cinema uh, cinema snob do a video about the Hellraiser uh, made for video that he, he that he uh, Lance Hendrickson was in. So, uh, but um, so that's George Wynn Horror. So, talk about all the cameras he set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at that scene right now. Um, in my peripheral, 
So yeah, he's gonna try busting ghost. <laughs> essentially. So oh, well, there you go. I guess this was like this is why this movie happened. It was because of Ghostbusters. And again, the comedy almost I don't know, the comedy almost just takes you away from the movie. Like uh George went just popping up and like Hey, I got uh, you know, solitude is better when you're with friends, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically, George Went is the only person who's really down on trying to, like, yeah, I think my buddy, my, my neighbor is going nuts, <laughs> uh, and does his best to try selling that, but um. I guess that comes back around to me talking about uh, George went in the horror movie. It's like we all want to kill Norm from Cheers. Do we? Norm's lovable, dude. No one wants to kill Norm. I don't know. It goes back to a song by uh, Nerf Herder, uh, Welcome to My Life. And it's like they're one of the, after the first two verses, you have this um, verse don't want to be here don't want to be here tonight don't want to watch another cheers reruns tonight i hate that woody i hate diane well i mean that dude's just a fucking prick anyway he just saved the channel yeah, but TV he watched it. Maybe he should just stop being poor. Oh, it's a brilliant song though. It's like um I hate that Woody, I hate Diane. Uh Norman and Fraser, that dumbass mailman. But you know, no, it's a it's a great song. Like I mean lyrics about sing you know. Um don't you ever fear because i've got i've got tv and i've got beer and i've got mr belvedere and there's even a line about pissing in you know and i can piss in the kitchen sink like it's definitely a song worth looking for i again nerf further welcome to my life um it's uh yeah so let's see but i mean I don't know, back in Space Truckers, when he gets sucked into the vacuum of space, ass first, it's kind of like, yeah, I can dig that. It's a Barbara Crampton movie, so that tells you you should rewatch Space Truckers. This dude's got to have some money, man. Like, I, I can't even imagine how much all those cameras he bought must have cost. Well, I mean, he's that uh, Roger character still has, he hasn't written anything except for, I mean, he starts writing his memoir about Vietnam. Which is like his actual motive for moving to the hotel. I mean, moving to the house. But yeah, I mean, it's a nice house. I mean, the fact yeah. it's got a, it's the fact it's, you know, damn near Victorian and has a pool, which that gets weird once you bring the Tanya character into it. It's pretty enough. I might be able to get past the possession thing. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then the possession thing turns out to just be a revenge from beyond the grave story from what was his name? Bowl from Night Court. I, I don't know. Yeah. You might be a little too young for Night Court. Yeah, yeah. 
that was a that was a show in the late eighties. I know what Night Court is. Okay, so he was the bald bailiff. Yeah, the the judge was a magician. Uh, I mean, I know the judge was the guy who ended up being Dave on Dave's World, the series based around uh, Dave Barry's works, which is another movie I gotta take the time to rewatch. Um, he had his uh, novel Big Trouble adapted into a movie right after 9-11. So, I mean, it was adapted before 9-11, then 9-11 happened. And it's like, oh, we can't make airport security jokes anymore. But that movie's got Jason Lee, Tim Allen's your lead, um, Stanley Tucci. You can't go wrong with a movie with him. Uh, I mean, a huge cast. Dennis Farina. I mean, actually, uh, I think a young... Was it Ben Foster or Aaron Paul? I can get those two mixed up. So, but there's, I, I do love the fact this movie has the Vietnam uh, subtext. I, this is a little easier to get into than, say, Platoon or Full Metal Jacket, obviously. I mean, maybe too easy because it kind of, you know, you kind of start feeling like it makes light. And this is another Vietnam movie we're talking about after Blind Fury. So, um, you think this movie might be got like a weird metaphor for PTSD? Oh, I, it's an obvious metaphor for PTSD. I think that's why I was bringing it up. Like maybe I maybe I need to watch more movies about the uh, Afghanistan conflict and such. But it's like again, you're this is a layman person, but you don't hear too many stories about uh, soldiers going in the caves to find Bin Laden, Vietnam, like. Oh yeah, everybody's got to go into the jungle. You know, essentially with uh so yeah, it's just like I was really trying to like I was trying to actually uh, cuz I haven't watched the movie Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins. I know they recently did a remake with um I think Michael Easley or I think his name is um black actor. Um this is in a lot of movies. You know the face. Have you ever seen Jacob's Ladder? It sounds familiar. But okay. I- yeah, it it's it's a it it sounded very stephen king and then i read up on it it's like it wasn't stephen king damn and it it was made just for the movies sheesh this isn't poor you know a a attempt to popularize dean Koontz. like the only dean Koontz adaptation i know that's worth watching is phantoms with uh and I don't know, maybe Kevin Smith gave me some rose-covered lenses for that. <laughs> Have you seen Phantoms? Phantoms. Uh, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Rose McGowan. I had to have seen it. Aaliyah Schreiber. Peter O'Toole. Uh, yeah, late 90s. Yeah, so. I had to have seen it, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah. So that's a that's the thing. Growing up in a family that followed the MPAA's uh, rating recommendations, I didn't really get to discover anything until I was out of my house. <laughs> like I saw Train Spotting and said, "Oh, this is an awesome movie. I think everybody should see." My mom sees Train Spotting and it's like, "Don't ever bring up that movie again." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if she's ever noticed. I got like the like quotes from train spotting tattooed on me so <laughs> it's only a quote from train spotting it's uh and the reasons there are no reasons 
and I leave it at that <laughs> instead of who needs who needs reasons when you have heroin. <laughs> Take the oh, we're so we're just now getting into the bit where he brings the shotgun out to shoot the marlin. I really don't hate these monster effects. No, they're I like don't hate them. This is awesome. like this is, I mean. I, I'm kind of like I went to Letterbox. I gave it a three stars and a heart, saying I liked it. Uh, maybe it is three and a half. It's um, at least I, I'm not going to say it's four better than four, but I uh, know the monster effects. It just, I think the problem with this is just that just that um, Evil Dead Two was just around the corner, and that you know it just blows everything away, but. No, I, it's like I, I think I've made the the uh I definitely tweeted on Twitter. It's like, oh gosh, like have visual effects in horror movies ever really been better than Ghostbusters? Because I mean, I can't think of any good CG horror. No, when I know it's a computer, it always kind of takes me out of it. it well, has that look. I I, like well, I mean it just doesn't work for horror necessarily i think it's just because horror is generally low budget like i'm not gonna i'm not i i i don't complain about the effects in uh, jurassic park at all so i mean cg can be can be done great but How about the new jurassic park i haven't seen dominion i i don't know like, like most recent yeah that would be dominion like I saw I did not like Jurassic World. It was just way too derivative of like everything I love. Cause never mind, Jurassic Park's a knockoff of Westworld, the nineteen seventy-three movie, which Michael Crichton wrote and directed. So he, he was already retreading stuff when he wrote Jurassic Park. But then like, oh, the the di- the Dominus Rex can go in camouflage because it's part cuttlefish. So you're telling me it's the predator. And then you have the scene where the 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 uh, armed unit attempts to take it, and then it's like, oh, that's all ripped off from uh, Aliens when uh, Gore, Gorman and Ripley are watching the flat people flatline after they uh, find the nest. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know, dude. I I I never got into the whole Jurassic Park thing. Oh, well, as I say, uh, Jurassic, the second uh, Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, that is so goofy, it's fun. And I can really say from the original trilogy, I've not watched three from beginning to end. I saw the first two in theaters. Uh, Jurassic Park, excellent. I really can't. I mean, as I say, it's Westworld, but without the subtlety. Um, oh yeah, I remember seeing that in the movie theater, and like, oh, that's a cool movie. And like, by the time the second one came out, like, I could not give a shit. Uh, the second one is uh, it doesn't have the fun of the first one, and I think maybe that's because we were just discovering this, you know, the brilliance of computer generated effects. So, in my peripheral, George went has just about the call for a suicide attempt on our main character, Roger. As Roger believes he killed his ex-wife. And that's a that's like the demon effects are fun in this movie when I bring that up. Like it's almost weird that they 
that you have this ending, which is basically, you know, um, a person he didn't kill in Vietnam out to get him. But you got these like bloated demons that are taunting him. And it especially gets fun where he tries dismembering the demon, (laughs) which again, as I say, this movie is just two F words away from being PG-13. I think. I mean, yeah, seeing the... So the fact that it's demons or something might keep it R back then. I don't know, because this is definitely less intense than Gremlins, I'd say, which set the PG-13 standard a year prior, so it's like... That's something else I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, I gotta... I critters, actually. The other oh, time. I don't know. It took me... Truth be told, it took me a good... Geez, probably 35 years. That's an overestimate. But for me to finally uh, deal with Gremlins, like being a kid, I was four years old when Gremlins came out. And it was, yeah, poor, uh, marketed it completely wrong. Like you could go to Hardee's and buy little vinyl records that tell the story of Gremlins. I'm listening to that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then I see a gremlin. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> Not for me. And my mom saw it and she said it was a good movie, but it's like, uh, I was scared of the dark before gremlins. <laughs> and then, you're giving me creatures that you need light to kill? Like, no, it took me a long time to get past gremlins. <laughs> That's a hilarious thing to be afraid of. Well, I mean, like even at oh, the yeah. end... all he had to do is not get him wet, dude. <laughs> Don't think about for midnight, right? It's but fine. if Corey God didn't follow the rules, well, I mean, Corey Feldman didn't follow the rules, but again, he wasn't really aware of it, so. <laughs> He's doing a show in Bloomington pretty soon. Yeah, I saw that. I was cu- I'm curious. <laughs> Definitely curious. I saw him at Fan Expo. He did a uh it wasn't a full blown Goonies reunion. Um, especially since uh by the end of the that night, uh Sean Aston tested positive COVID. <laughs> like at Fan Expo they had uh the four hobbits. Yeah, that's you're you're a little further ahead than I am. Yeah, it's uh this hot Swedish chick, Tanya. The only Uh, other thing I could say I've seen her in is uh she's in a view to a kill as the uh liaison for James Bond in the pre credit sequence where she's operating a submarine disguised as an iceberg. I need to uh, get back into watching movies like that. I'm trying to get back into watching like the straight uh, video weird action movies from my youth. Uh, yeah, you see, that's, again, a generational thing, because, like, I can't really say in my youth that we had, like, direct-to-video was anything but horror. Um. Yeah, that was a good bulk of it. Yeah. A a chunk of it from the local video store. They had a huge horror selection. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... Horror is generally considered cheaper to make, and action movies in the 80s, like, 
those are explosions everywhere. So that definitely wasn't going to be made for DVD stuff. I think after the uh, lack of success for Showdown in Little Tokyo, I think that's when they like, and you know, Chuck Norris, Cannon, Cannon. Once the Cannon Group went under, I think that's when action movies like, oh, we don't have to do ridiculous effects anymore. Let let Mark DeCascos just kick some people for ninety minutes. I think we got something. I think that's when action movies became uh, made for video stuff. I mean, if I wanted a movie, like I'd say even like for me in the 80, uh, the 80s, like if it looked like it was made for video, it was probably made in Hong Kong. Like uh, I have a video I bought from uh, Second City Video before it went out. Uh, Geez, it wasn't long before they went out of business. Like, oh, I'll buy these VHS tapes for $2 a piece. Um, it's called Blood Fight. And it was released like a year after Bloodsport. And it's basically this, it's basically the same story. Bolo Young is in the movie as the bad guy. Hell yeah. It's no, it's it's boring as all hell because it's again Bloodsport. But yeah. Um I don't think we had to make a lot of action movies in the uh, 80s to put to the v- the VHS market because we had Jackie Chan falling off of stuff in China. And, the, and they're just desperate for distribution. So that's, um, yeah, so I'd say once you started seeing action movie sequels, that's when you knew it was made for video stuff, I think. There's a lot of, like, this movie house, like, reminds me of this movie i saw like um i can't remember the name of the director but it's a spanish movie called the orphanage from say about 2006 oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know the movie it's that dude that did uh pants labyrinth i think no that's guillermo del toro no it was produced by guillermo i shouldn't i shouldn't knock you there uh no, actually the director went on to direct that Jurassic uh world movie that I did like. <laughs> um, but I I say that as uh the cops have just left and he's um trying to find where his gun went and he's got the uh the the poker the fireplace poker and he's got the fat demon about to beat him beat him around the shotgun. That's something about uh 80s demons though. It's kind of like those two, man. I would not give a stranger's kid a bath. Not in a million years would you smack and catch me with that child naked under anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're 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 I about kid away. Um... <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I thought like I thought it was stranger danger when he was chasing the kid down. They end up in the bathroom <laughs> when he's trying to get the hand off the demon that. And the where I'm at in the movie is beaten uh, is about to get uh, skewered by all those oh, uh, hardware hardware devices, the sh- trimmers, the shovel, just decapitated. Yeah. He's been in Vietnam. He's supposed to be tough. He's smacking, cucking out for this Swedish lady. <laughs> it's a different time, man. Like I don't know if I saw. I mean, I've done some stupid thing for some big tittied blondes before so i mean i got more than roger did or but i don't know well 
Roger gets back with his wife, you'd presume, at the end of this movie. So, so yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. Everybody is just... It, it's weird. I guess the supporting characters are not written exceptionally well. Because I got Roger dragging out the... He just buried the head of the demon. Now he's going to bury the body. And that's where he finds Tanya in his pool. Yeah, I think you got to kind of develop a theme with the neighbors. You know, you can't have, oh, geez, that is a nice rum, rump <laughs> in the swimsuit. Um, yeah, brings back. Um, enough to pay for a child. I, hey, I mean. The entire bathing, st- the bathing stuff might be a little awkward, but you did just have to take the kid from. You don't want the kid talking about demons, dragging him up a chimney. So, I mean, I I don't know. How do you? How would you tell a play pl- an eighties playmate that no, I'm not going to take care of your kid for a few hours. Well, I mean, I, I would try to negotiate price or something first. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, you're I'm you're going and pile pile a bunch of toys in my house, like, oh, uh-huh, bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, I think you're even. Yeah, again, that that I've never perved out on this podcast with that bum. Damn. <laughs> um, or it might be the swimsuit mate. Um, so I don't know I probably like she could have probably I don't know I mean she could have probably got George went to take care of the kid no objections because he's pretty much a pushover especially when he's eventually dragged into the demon fighting (laughs) the uh, entire story about the Cujo raccoon which if that tells you there's not a lot of you know there's this is kind of knockoff Stephen King that that joke kind of does it for you but I mean this movie's only 92 minutes long um a few seconds over 92 so it's kind of ends up being nuts how much stuff they actually get into this feature you get the entire Vietnam flashbacks you got you get these separate like subplots of the babysitting the kid uh trying to shoot the ghost trying to you know catch the ghost on camera his entire evil dead moment where he's dealing with the uh gardening equipment and the demons it's just and then you get little sidetracks with the dog digging up the hand of the demon it's like i guess that what that says is this movie has zero depth Aside from the, well, this is probably the screwed up life of a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, Which, no people actually die, do they? Uh, just Mrs. Hooper. Oh, yeah. To to trigger the entire story. We don't see it. Nah, you see, you see her, you see her waving around in the, and then you see in the flash, in the um, vision that Roger has that of you know oh i thought that i thought i was smarter than the house it was never gonna trick there's there's some ridiculous stuff like before the tanya shows up with her kid 
and the dog's running off with the hand. And then um, he's looking for his car keys in drawers and such. And it's like, gosh, that is the worst. How did how did we let? I mean, again, you weren't around for it, but damn, how did we let people get away with those haircuts on kids? Or how about when he first uh, puts his army fatigues back on and buys all those cameras and he like does that dive out of the house? Oh and- yeah, celebrating that oh, I'm gonna you know I'm ready for combat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean the entire flashback element. I mean, and, and for me, it's kind of nuts, you know, being a guy who's forty-two now, and uh, you know, sitting back and realizing that okay, these characters are all in their, you know, early to mid thirties, and of course they had to deal with freaking Vietnam. It's like, yeah, you know, quite a trip for me to just sit back and realize, like, oh, geez, yeah. I mean, it's almost like oh, good thing I didn't end up uh, being being patriotic or excessively patriotic, I should say, because, you know, when 9-11 happened, I was 21 and it's like and I was basically saying to everybody, like, if we declare war in two days like we did after uh, Pearl Harbor, I'm enlisting. <laughs> we didn't. And it's like, all right, things are screwed up. So I'll sit this one out. <laughs> And then, I mean, we get into the politics of the the wars to begin, you know, all day, which is another mess in itself. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm basically the type who, like, you know, we haven't had a real enemy since, I mean, Vietnam at least made some sense. We kind of got ourselves stuck in that position because of the Marshall Plan. Oh, yeah, we're Superman, baby. USA. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying Afghanistan and Iraq, it's kind of like, really? Is this about, like, well, that's when we got into regime changing, I guess. That's that's the CIA's job. It's not us. (laughs) If they can't do it, we should stay the heck out of it. Yeah, so we're dealing with the kid, you know, just being cranky. I can't really. I've been lucky. Like I, I've taken care of some kids before, but yeah, usually they're pretty. E- I mean, I've I've dealt with the easy ones. What can I say? <laughs> oh no, man! You sure that Universal Life Church doesn't offer exorcisms? Because I got a nine-year-old that I'm pretty sure might be possessed. Well, it doesn't do you any good, like. I might be I might be an ordained minister, but I'm an atheist, so it's kind of <laughs> I don't know if I could do anything about it. Like I like the joke that uh in a in the sense that um like whenever I sell a product and I have somebody say, Well, I hope this works, I want to go and bless it. Like <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. I'm ordained, you know. Instead of squirt him in the face with a super soaker and just be all the power of something compels you. <laughs> the power of something maybe compels you. Hey, 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 hey. Let's just let's just say, hey, now you just made me think though, at least I'm ready for I'm ready for might not be ready for a zombie apocalypse. But if we got a daybreaker situation with vampires, I, I can go and get some holy water like that. 
So, <laughs> I mean, the entire the entire point of religion, at least um, the acts, I would say, is basically like it might not mean anything to me, but it might mean something to it might mean everything to something else. So, never hurts to do. Never hurts to go and give a uh, laptop a blessing. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Um, no. so I'm at the point in the movie where we see the main trauma of uh, Roger where he sees uh, Richard Mull uh, him and him and Richard Mull are on Weird point movie that sucked I'm sorry it was some vampire movie that sucks but I don't think it was called Daybreakers uh, Daybreakers about it uh, Daybreakers was uh, Willem Dafoe, Sam Neill, Ethan Hawke. I thought it was a bunch of fun. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, but uh, if you want a vampire movie that sucks, I'd say Lost Boys, The Tribe. But I loved, I loved Lost Boys, The Thirst, the third movie, because that basically is Edgar Frog, the movie. So I don't think I actually watched that one. I vaguely remember the tribe yeah the tribe wasn't that great i mean it was a complete retread of the lost boys and then it was like trying to make fun of it all the most dorky stuff about the lost boys like the guy with the saxophone and which i actually watched um what there was a show on netflix hosted by michelle wolf and she only got one season, um, but it was like reviewing stuff and like, and here's an easier way to tell the news with a guy for the saxophone from the Lost Boys. And that guy's still shredded. So I, I, I guess if there's a complaint about this movie is just everything ends up being put in a nice little bow, I suppose. Like, I mean, it's kind of like um, there's a bit in the uh, tv show true blood where um anna paquin's trying to you know comfort the recently turned vampire uh deborah ann wool about um you know well look like oh i can't go and see my family anymore it's like i lost everything and it's like well i mean i thought the world ended when i lost my grandma and it's like, yeah, but grandmas are old. They're supposed, to, you know, they're going to die. So it kind of makes you blow off the death of Mrs. Hooper, you know, like. Eh. I wonder how they explain that getting his son back. That, that is, well, it, at least you have George Went, who's aware of the demons in the house to to back that up. I don't know, man. I think they locked them both up about. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, he got two dudes and a kid that was supposedly dead or presumed dead for. Well, George, George went. George went aware of everything that's going on, but he wasn't in the house when uh, Roger comes out with his kid. So... Oh, no, yeah, but they go to him. Well, like, yeah, I mean, he's his character witness. Yeah, dude, like, deals. like, is there a gas leak in this house? What's going on here? Like, no one's gonna believe him. Like, well, he's come back. Well, I mean, that's how you make sequels because nobody's going to believe him. 
Yeah, but the sequel has nothing to do with the first house, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Urn. I mean, it, some kind of urn. It's called the second story, which obviously tells you that it probably isn't a sequel. It's just, I mean, this was a this is a film by New World Pictures, which is pretty much nothing but low budget horror movies. Not not ready for New Line, basically. Let's see, I'm thinking New Line Pictures. Uh, that was known as the house that Freddie built. Um, but they didn't have, you know, a nightmare on Elm Street until 1984, a year prior. So. They, did, they had a lot of good movies, do they? Had Ninja Turtles, man. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, Suburban Commando. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's not forget that, that Jim. I want to rewatch that. I know it's tough to find, but. I didn't think it was that bad. I think Hogan was perfectly casted and Christopher Lloyd is great. I mean, you get Undertaker and Paul Roma as your big heavies. No, I love that movie when I was a kid. Right. Well, I know I loved it as a kid too, but it's like, I think that like when you compare it to Santa Claus with muscles or uh, Mr. Nanny, like... This I one actually was goofy too. It it this one looks like it could hold up, so uh still. And um it's interesting though, like uh thinking about Hulk Hogan movies, there was Assault on Devil's Island back in nineteen ninety seven, which was like the highest rated major cable movie of all time of well, probably of all time, because I don't think we really had that many more. Um, which uh, was basically centered around, like, you watch the movie, you get to see the signing of the contract for Sting versus Hogan at Starcade. So, I think that's why everybody watched it, which is which is sad, because it's like, we didn't get enough movies with um, the guy who played the villain in the movie, the guy who's best known for Kano from the original Mortal Kombat. And there's a movie I love to, I, I always go back to, uh, and if anything, that's when it comes into the concept of made for video action and um, called Men of War with Dolph Lundgren, uh, Tiny Lister, uh, B.D. Wong. I mean, hell of a cast, honestly. Um, yeah, so the actor I'm talking about is uh, Trevor Goddard. He uh, played Kano in Mortal Kombat. He's the bad guy in Men of War. He gets a brief bit in the movie. Uh, I got to check the runtime of this one. Deep Rising, do you remember that one? It sounds familiar. Uh, it's a movie where... There's a cruise ship that uh, all these little, all these monsters that are very small on the surface of the ocean um, invade it because they're not from the surface; they're from the bottom depths of the ocean. Eventually, it, so like kind of big lamprey or yeah, lamprey uh, take over this uh, ship. It's uh, the main the main actor is uh, Treat Williams. Uh, you get the guy who plays the little Weasley guy um, from the Mummy, 
as his sidekick, uh, Famke Jansen. I mean, a lot of actually a lot of actors. It's directed by the same guy who did The Mummy, actually. Um, yeah, Kevin J. O'Connor, the subtle villain, is yeah, the guy who played Dr. Fredrickson in uh, Silence of the Lamb. Um, definitely worth a watch, a rewatch. Runs a little long for this podcast. Like it, but I do have fun with this podcast now watching movies like Does It Count for 90 for Chill? If the like don't have a post credit scene, don't have a post credit scene. Okay, no post credit scene. All right. Yeah. So movies like Under Siege or The Last Starfighter, they count because the credits take them over the length limits. So yeah, I'm in the movie now where um Roger has uh gone into the um basically it's a poltergeist ripoff when you really think about it yeah that was my first thought i've never actually seen poltergeist but i know that well i've never i've never watched it from beginning to end i should say but i've been thinking about diving into the diving into those movies recently well i mean i know poltergeist one obviously classic i think the sequel has its support the first sequel has supporters the third sequel is kind of a cluster muck because I think the little girl died during the filming because of the illness. And I I don't even want to think about the remake. Uh, movies I need to watch are the Fright Night movies, actually. So I hear at least the, you know, you got Fright Night, Fright Night 2, and the f- first Fright Night remake is good, I've heard. So. I don't mind the remake of Friday Night. Yeah, no. I, I, it's one of my favorite movies. So, all right. So, yeah, Roger had just put George went to bed. And now he's about to find the painting that tells everything. That your son's stuck in the medicine cabinet, essentially. And I'll give this movie credit. The, the, the special effects on our villain are pretty great for the time. I mean, they're a little like they're kind of, I guess you'd say, um, Return of the Living Dead perfected. Yeah. I mean, I've I've never watched. I have another another movie I haven't really watched is Return of the Living Dead. I've seen a lot of the zombies, though, in that. Yeah, Return's a good one. Yeah, it's a it's like the mid 80s kind of weird because it's like um, with uh, Return of the Living Dead, which qualifies for the podcast. So I probably should start throwing that out there. Um, oh, Tom Matthews. I did not know. I'm just looking over the cast of that movie. It's like Tom Matthews from a bunch of Albert Pion movies is in the top four people listed. Oh, um. But it was written, uh, no, it was directed by Dan O'Bannon. Um, Dan O'Bannon's the guy who wrote Aliens. So, and and wrote one of my favorite movies, which isn't really, which is not a good movie uh, by any stretch of the ma- imagination, Life Force, if you're familiar with that one. I almost watched that movie the other day, actually. Oh, it's it's definitely worth a watch. 
I'm not going to say it's good, but it's uh, like, I, I, I mean, it's about space vampires and one of them is pretty much wandering the entire movie naked. You had me as space vampires. Well, and then you got Patrick Stewart's in the movie. It's a, like, there's a scene where he's making out with, where he's kind of forced to make out with uh, Steve Rails back. Like it, it's it's such a cluster muck. It's kind of something you need to see, and it's only an hour forty one. Oh, there's no post credit sequence. I guess we can do the Life Force podcast at some time. But <laughs> it's yeah, sheesh. The things you learn on making episodes of Ninety for Chill the podcast. <laughs> that and it's directed by Toby po- Toby Hooper of Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. So. I mean, I love this segment where he's going pretty much into the abyss as he's crawled into the medicine cabinet and repelling downward. Strange place to hide hide a child in the medicine cabinet. What'd you say? Strange place to hide a child in the medicine cabinet. Oh, we keep telling kids not to go in there. We should probably show this movie as a public services announcement. If the pills aren't going to kill you, it's the demons that will. I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, that's that's what that is. That's that that is the problem. I think with um, well, it's not a problem. That's the that's the entire paradox. Of the situation is that children are pretty fearless right now, and we encourage it. <laughs> like me growing up. You know, I had to, um, my parents hardly disciplined me physically, but there's always the threat of it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, yeah, that kind of fear helps. <laughs> Again, I work in retail, you know, it's like, I don't know, when I was a child, us, us four kids kind of stayed in line, so... I don't know, man. Some of these people, it seems like they, they're they just asking for it. Like, oh, no. No, no. Why are they dragging all the kids? There's a whole family coming out at like nine, to, 9 o'clock at night. No, I don't even want to think about your hour, your hour situation. Yeah, no, I, it's, I don't know. I, it's just kind of like for me, I don't think we're at least growing up again. I think there was just a degree of fear. My mom was kind of short-tempered, so um, so you didn't want to piss her off. Um, and as I say, there was hardly any physicality, but she's going to she's going to get intense, and you're going to straighten your ass up. <laughs> so I don't know. That's so. And this is this is going to be the warning on this episode. Yeah, I'm going to question PTSD, degrees of PTSD and <laughs> parenting. Ugh. It's so much easier when we're doing an X-rated movie like Felix the Cat. And it's like, it's an X-rated cartoon movie where no kid under 18 should watch. <laughs> I'm not going to censor Gregory Carl in this case. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like as I say, this one I'll probably probably cut out a bit of all that that opening conversation about a lot of the wrestling just because and eh, you know we're talking wrestling. <laughs> like yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like when I you know when speaking out happened and yeah I'm a supporter of Marty Skrull because his friends didn't really turn on him. I guess is what I'm saying. It's like uh, David Starr. Yeah, everybody went persona non grata with that guy, and I didn't, you know. And I thought, yeah, he could just just be an asshole who's learning. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, but the the crap I heard in the wrestling business, it's like, gosh, there's far too many victims. <laughs> For people who aren't wise enough to be victims, heck, I can I have my speaking out stories. Um, you know, I'm just not going to ruin I don't think they're worth ruining anybody's life about. <laughs> so so I mean your age getting who into the hurt you? who hurt you, Russ? <laughs> well, I'm just saying be be grateful that you never wanted to take a bump. And getting in the wrestling business at your age is not going to be too problematic. <laughs> oh no, I think I could still go. I could probably go just as good, if not if not better than some of the guys I saw. Um, there's a good chance. Again, I, I know indie wrestling, but it's like when I was 35 and tried to start making a comeback four years removed from my last bump. Um, no, my gas, my gas tank wasn't there. Um, so I don't know. How old are you? 30? 37. Ooh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't see a, unless you're living that DP, DDPY lifestyle right now. I don't think you got it, man. <laughs> now, if you start, if you start doing DDPY, maybe. <laughs> but there's the chance. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. No, I got no desire, nor do I have the time. Yeah, you see, I was, I don't know, my my life, I grew grew up watching wrestling, and then, you know, I had a, a bully in preschool, which, you know, I don't know, I didn't really realize that this guy, this kid was pretty much getting out his anger, like, oh, getting thrown around, and... I guess, oh, I got thrown around and I'm getting back up. What, what's the big deal? <laughs> so getting getting into, so I was studying karate at six, taekwondo at seven through 12 and wrestling from 12, you know, 12 to, set 12 to 19. And it's like, no, I love getting my ass kicked. <laughs> I just like, I kind of my my in hindsight it's kind of like oh and actually now I'm watching the movie and it's kind of like we got a lot of we talk about a lot of movies you and I about people being stuck on roofs. <laughs> well, I mean this okay, I say that and this is only like the second movie with a roof scene, but what um as uh he's crawling around the house getting away from Richard Ball. The uh remains of richard bull he ends up out on the roof just like uh like in uh deadly games yeah yeah so i think their lesson is don't wear fatigues <laughs> like, yeah you're asking for trouble yeah 
uh, be it kid with a sweet mullet or former Vietnam veteran. Like, I mean, it's like me going to a hockey game. I might wear the sweater, but I'm definitely not going to wear the helmet. <laughs> or, um, or, or at baseball games, like Cubs games, I don't wear. Well, my story about not wearing a Cubs, a regular Cubs hat, is because of Steve Bartman and the similarities in our looks <laughs> um, that happened at a um, fight night after the. Uh, 2003 playoffs where Steve Bartman dropped the ball and um, like I'm just walk, just wearing my glasses going to the bar to maybe fight and I'm wearing a Cubs hat and it's like the uh, owner of the bar gets on the microphone dude Russ you look like the guy who dropped the freaking ball <laughs> so all right, I'm never going to wear a regular Cubs hat again in my life, and I have not since. <laughs> well, I can't say that because I did do it for cheap heat wrestling wise. <laughs> like, I'd come to the ring, like, with a Cubs hat and a green sweatshirt. <laughs> Just that. Oh, yeah, I know what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, with this finale, like, the one thing that really throws me off is when, like, oh, and now the house is on a cliff. Uh, It kind of brings me back, and I've only really seen one Amityville movie, and it was during a Riff Tracks (laughs) presentation of the Amityville movie. uh, Amityville for the Evil Returns, which is PG, could have been made for TV. But, I've only ever seen the very first one way back. Yep, and that's the only one you should see. For, but I will. No, but I say that, and it's like, no, the one I saw with the possessed lamp was really. I mean, should never have been made, but it's not that bad. <laughs> or maybe it's growing up in the eighties watching Nick at Night and like, oh, Patty Duke reruns. <laughs> I mean, it can't be wor- any worse than uh, Velocipaster. Oh, I love The Loss of Pastor. What was that? What was that UFO movie I recommended to you? What was that? Oh. Mc, McAllister or whatever. Oh, you brought that up. Yeah, I got the note. Um, McPherson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. But um, I, I know you said it was too short, but if you actually watch it, you will realize that it might actually be a little bit too long. Well, I'm saying uh, from the time length, yeah, mix the McPherson tape. Um, now my 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 <laughs> older there are hilarious though. My older sister would say, "Well, you got to remember, Russ, in the '30s, movies didn't have to be longer than an hour." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but I think like. The oldest movie I watched uh, recently would be the, uh, it was on Tubi, the the Dark Old House uh, with uh, Bella Lugosi. Not, no, sorry, not Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff. It's an, Engli- it's an English film. It's actually pretty good, but it, I think it was only 71 minutes, like Velocipastor. Which oh yeah, a lot of those movies were super short. Yeah, well, and you got to keep in mind, back in the '30s, like when you go to the movie theater, you're going for an entire event, an entire evening. So, um, 
you're expecting like three to four hours of entertainment. So you, you know, short movies are not a bad thing. So, yep. Now the house is the grenade has gone off and the ex-wife has arrived. I, I don't know. Since you took the time to blow up your house I and, and you come out with a kid, I don't think anybody's really going to ask too many questions. Like, cause... The house did take him. The house really did take him. Yeah. You I... didn't have him just in your basement, sir? Yeah, well, who was taking care of the kid in the basement? Because he wasn't living there, you know? Yeah, it it is crazy. It's a cra- it's crazy, but like, how do you answer these questions? Like, and it's kind of weird because there's also an eclectic sound track to this movie as well, which I was co- kind of surprised the movie this cheap that they actually afforded went and uh, paid for those songs. So I mean, this this is this movie is like I it doesn't the important thing about House is it doesn't do anything wrong. I guess. Like a lot of things could have been done better, but yeah. I mean, it's a weird fun flick. Man. Yeah, I mean it's a, and this is this is what a solid B is. You know, I don't want to say it's average because I, I no, it's not average. It's it's just um yeah. I mean it just you're kind of into this kind of thing, or you're not. Right. No, you're you're right about that. I can see what I think IMDb puts it maybe at a five point six or so, and that's that's wrong. I mean life force is a six point one, and this is better than life force quality wise. Entertainment wise, life force. And now it's just realized, oh yeah, Russ, you own the uh director's cut. That's why life force is so bloody long. It's too long for the show. Come on. Enter house. No, it's a six point one, so I guess that's fair. Um, Metascore forty four, but yeah, who who really gives a crap about? I don't know. Metascore never impresses me. I mean, I, I do, I do stand by the tomato meter, but but mm-hmm. I get, I guess with the tomato meter though, you still have people who are like, oh, the audience score, and it's like, eh. As as L seven wrote, the masses are asses. <laughs> so yeah, that's not entirely false. Yeah, like, what kind of person's gonna take the time to actually do that? Yeah, it's it's one of those like as you said, the box art is great, and then it's like then I'm watching, looking on Shutter, and seeing the uh, still behind the text, and it's like I don't know that promises something a little more intense, but. And just reading the um, description, though, it's like, okay, Roger's going to make peace with his past. Steve Miner, director, I think, of Friday the 13th, 2 and 3, mixes Looney Tunes, aesthetics, and gross-out gore. I don't think there was gross-out gore in this movie. No, there's almost no gore. Yeah. I mean, all you got is the, you know, burying the dead body. Yeah, you got but there's no like blood though yeah no no like i could see comparing it to as it's recommend it's saying fans of fans of broad 80s horror comedies like evil dead return of the living dead and killer clowns well i definitely see killer clowns uh and i can see return of the living dead yeah not the original evil dead as they say i think it wasn't until the sequel that we really got the comedy perfected but and i shouldn't say sequel evil dead 2 is a remake 
let's let's be up front. Killer clowns from outer space made like an imprint on me, man. Uh, I did not see Killer Clowns until my early twenties, and I was at a bar one night. I mean, I was aware of it. Those clown, like, how do you make clowns even scarier than they are? Well, damn! Dude, I saw that movie entirely too young. Um, yeah, no, that's that's. I mean, even it when it it came out when I think I was six, eight at the oldest, and it's like. I'm glad I didn't see it when I was that age. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I'll, all I can say is like, I gotta when it comes to parenting and and showing kids stuff, it it gets weird. Like my my first birthday, first Christmas gift for my nephew was a Blu-ray copy of Flash Gordon, and then my little sister remembers, like it's PG, Ryan, it's fine. Oh yeah, all the sex jokes and everything. And then I can't get them. I can't let their. Um, and they they won't let him watch wrestling. He's nine years old now. Come on, going on ten. It's like, well, oh yeah, especially nowadays, dude. Yeah. He ain't... Well, the first the first time I was able to really let him watch wrestling was like. I was at my parents' house, and it was the uh, Darby Allen versus Ethan Page coffin match. <laughs> that may have been a little too intense for a kid. I think you got Darby bleeding. I know there were thumbtacks, and then you have Darby doing the coffin drop through the coffin, <laughs> like which is one of those stunts that it's like a little. If he misjudged that at all, he was going to impale himself. Sheesh. And the, that's a kids don't try that at home moment. Like, I think the baby woke up. Okay, well, the movie has concluded, so let's get to the wrapping up. And sheesh, sorry to sorry to keep you up so late again, but thanks for uh, saving the day, making Spooky Month work for Ninety for Chill the podcast. So, uh, Gregory, uh, have you gotten too many uh, many more episodes of the Mud Show out since last time I checked? No, I had to make peace with the fact that I do not have time to keep up with everything and do it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I fully acknowledge that you need to take an like. It's not like like wrestling might be great all over, but I just don't have the time. Like I got an NJPW World subscription, I got AEW to watch. I can't promise anything more. So yeah, but hey. A worthwhile endeavor when it was when it happened so um yeah but otherwise you just you can be found on facebook he is available for ring crew work as we've established oh yeah i'm a great grunt right right the business best grunt in the business uh, i don't know once you once you have to deal with john calvin or ian then you then that's when you get judged thanks for coming on the show again thanks for again as i say you're you're saving spooky month to start and hopefully i'll get everybody lined up correctly uh you can follow the you can follow me on twitter at catbusrus if you want to bitch about the show that's where i prefer it otherwise rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps we're about everywhere uh five stars preferably i will reciprocate i will be honest but you will get five stars um (laughs) uh it's as always we drop every tuesday 
The website is 90forchill.com. Uh, if you want to read all my writings, that's maineventofthedead.com. If you have suggestions on how to uh, make maineventofthedead.com, Main Event of the Dead, the screenplay, a reality, uh, let me know. The email address is russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. But, you know, that that project's been wallowing in development hell for 12 years now. So more importantly, if you want to be on the show, offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor, focus on sub 100 minute material that I can make any movie work. Just send an email again to russthebus07 at gmail.com. And let's make some fried podcast gold. Uh, otherwise, thanks, Stacia Harden, for uh, keeping me motivated and trying to uh, pay honor to your memory. And thanks for touching all the uh, lives you touched when you were around. And uh, Gregory, you got anything else to say? Anything? Any projects you're working on? Just getting this baby. Well, I mean, that's... I envy people with those kind of priorities, man. There's, oh yes, I'm clinically depressed. Okay. (laughs) Well, you take care of the kid and thanks again for all your help. Can I hear a wahoo? So we dipped our toes in the wrestling business. Yeah, I volunteered to help out with a show in Springfield. Okay. Like seven hours of my life. I'm never going to get back again. Oh, I'm curious. Who is the guy running the show? Uh, it was uh, for Pinfall in Springfield. Okay. It was, uh, even something. Yeah, see. Name. I worked down in Springfield. I mean, gosh, now it's going to be. Last time I worked there was 2007. So, yeah, 15 years ago uh, for uh, Justin McIntyre, AKA, AKA Justin Clark. Um, new midwest uh pro wrestling yeah yeah so um i knew a few of the guys i I imagine a few of the guys are still doing it um but yeah that was a uh interesting story about that promotion so um my uh traveling buddy and i and this is 2004 uh raul uh or i guess the full title of him would be sinister with two n's Raul Montenegro um, is at least what his ring name was. He has a tattoo that has his last name on it. So it's like, uh, he also has Hawk and animal tattoos. So, I mean, he's not, you know, you can't really pick on him too much. You can't, I can, but that's just because of our history. Um, I'm not going to fuck with a good dude with a Hawk and animal. At least he hasn't got good taste. Yeah, I'll give him that. Uh, So it's, um, yeah, we we uh so he was trying to get into Springfield. This is right when I was 2004, so right after my uh broken wrist, my comeback, uh headlining our biggest card and jobbing out in a um gauntlet match uh for the title. Um that's next generation wrestling. So Raul was like basically this is how I stayed in Peoria for an extra year and a half, I suppose. Um, so I went and like, oh no, man, I'm trying to get, in, I'm going to get down in Springfield, man. So we started training with those guys. You don't need to go to ring of honor and train under punk. And like, 
Oh, well, maybe. I mean, we are we are doing some traveling, so maybe we are real professionals. So um so we went down there and he was really trying to get his other friend who had a lot of potential. Chris Hazard was his ring name. Um there, but he was had a DUI, so I was his driver for the most part. Not not Hazard, um Raul. So we get down there, work a few shows. Um and, but in the meantime, like we bring in a guy who got uh, himself exiled from the Peoria scene. Uh, Justin Clark wrestles under Justin McIntyre. And so he goes and uh, so he travels with us, him and his uh, uh, baby mama, I should say. I don't know what their status ended up being. And yeah so what, some, she was just there like she didn't have a job like what was her oh, job she was she was she, she was she was a valet she was a valet didn't take too many bumps um but uh so what happened was so the story of that goes down to so we were on three shows i guess we got canned for like talking crap about the promotion i don't know that was a weird one and then um but oh no justin was justin and Oh, shit, I can't even remember her name now. So, uh, but they were cool. So a year later, the promotion goes up on the market and um, her, she had a death in her family and inherited some money. So they bought the promotion and moved down to Springfield. So uh, I worked a couple, I worked maybe three shows for them after I got trained by Danny Daniels and um. Yeah, then I kind of just flaked out in general, but um, yeah, I got quite the history of Justin McIntyre. Not bad necessarily, but um, first guy, first guy basically who tried to threaten me, like, and then like, oh yeah, no, I'm the guy who fought the UFC fighter in the Tough Man contest. You know, yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't last long in that fight, but the fact of the matter is, I was there and did that. So it's always nice when reality gets to come in and I can like, I've had, I've had people like threaten to call the cops on me promoters in Peoria. Like, (laughs) Oh, so this is personal between you and me. Let's take care of it. I'll yeah. You said you had an entire locker room behind you. (laughs) So yeah, that's chairs and took up, took out trash. Well, I mean, that's, that's a better story than when I accidentally worked for uh, Rock and Roll Buck Zumoff in Bloomington. <laughs> if you know who Rock and Roll Buck Zumoff ended up being. <laughs> uh, and I knew a guy in Peoria who was very, who like really became friends with Buck. So, and he always gave me crap. Like, yeah, look who you're with. Uh, Buck Zumoff. It was cool, man. Like, I I heard some stories and whatnot. Oh yeah, that's. I, I was told to show up at two, and like everything was done. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't really have anything for you to do. Like, well, fuck, man, what am I gonna do now? <laughs> well, did they make I'm you buy? Like weirdo. Did they make you buy a ticket? No. Well, okay, I, then I then you there. then you won, man. I. <laughs> I that, got to see Matt Cardona and Spencer Powers fight over who had the best toy collection. Okay, I do know Spencer Powers. Yeah, 
um yeah pretty cool guy uh probably the best guy in springfield uh, at least again yeah he's pretty decent man it was, it was 15 years ago guy. yeah um yeah they had he had like a like i don't know he's i met him when he was doing a mask gimmick and the entire point was he was breaking out of the mask and then of course they have a ladder match like maybe a year and a half later and he turns on his tag team ladder match he turns on his partner like uh, that's just something that doesn't work for me why are you gonna get the crap kicked out of you for 15 minutes and then you're gonna turn on the guy <laughs> yeah i don't know like like i said it was a good match it's just the whole like toy collector thing yeah side of it just bothered me but that aside like I, i'll bet that fucking that suplex on onto all those fucking wrestling action figures oh yeah no 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 it's like we had that argument back when i was working at marine bank um like trying to talk to tell the girls no you want to go into thumbtacks before you go into legos thumbtack stick thumbtack stick and they're done (laughs) legos are that's a good point i never thought of it that way yeah so um which uh, leads me to another story like, well, uh, somebody put on Twitter, who's the greatest Chuck ever? And I said, you know, sexy Chucky e. T, Chuck Taylor. Like, have I seen uh, Norris go and deal with Legos? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, yeah they I, did offer me a position, though, but I think it was abruptly taken away, taken away when they saw the jokes I was posting to the oh i you, you, they're everybody every i don't know promoters are sensitive assholes that's all i can say and granted i have aspirations of doing promoting you know always like yeah maybe i can do a promoter but i uh, look it's just that i have eyes in yeah. my head and that match looked like a, a fucking male gigolo playing grab ass with a fucking meth addict yeah no i there's plenty of that uh like and you know the the thing is though i I don't know it's kind of like um like danny daniels was great for seth rollins and uh merrick brave got them their looks i even say the same for shane hollister uh my friend crotch these are all guys that trained up with um in uh davenport and chicago and um then I go to an Iron Spirit Pro Show in Champaign, and like, yeah, these guys are good. I've heard of this guy, and eh, you know, they could work on their uh, looks. And then there's a guy who's really hot right now. Um, I think he's wrestled for GCW, Dante Leon. And like, ah, dude, like, no. I mean, that's we're we're beyond the Hardy Boys gimmick. I mean, that's just <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, uh... I, I I'm not. I don't mean to sound like I, I was just trash. I'm like there was some cool stuff there too. No, yeah, no. I there there always is, but I mean I'm you know I, I don't want to make it seem like the whole thing was negative. You know. What I mean? Oh no, no. There's there's always some great talent. There's always some great talent. I've uh, you know I uh, tried getting involved with uh, UWC uh, when they were at the Homer Opera House in Homer, Illinois. Um, but you know um promoters again sensitive types you just can't go and tell them 
like okay and here's what i would do no they um that's that's just the problem it's money marks for the most part they're not looking for for art i mean i could at least talk to danny daniels and like what do you think of the show and it's like all right well you asked me so um i got to i got to hear about how like kevin nash and scott steiner are assholes and you see and i've had and i've had a good experience with scott steiner so i mean 12 years may have changed things but and heck, Scott Steiner's in the Hall of Fame after calling Stephanie McMahon a C-word, so. Yeah, he said Tracy Smothers called him a certain word, and I was just like, how are, like, you booked him. How do you know, like, he's probably going to do that? This is Tracy Smothers, Wild Ride Southern boy, dude. Yeah, uh, Tracy, Tra- Tracy's a good, Tracy was a good guy. Um, Not a, not in test, not essentially a, um aware man i'll say that much about him but dude tracy's mother's is cool man yeah um i did not appreciate him opening up his wrestling school in lincoln illinois though and still having the confederate flag in his uh logo so as they say he waves the shit out of that don't he yeah he did yeah tracy's gone if you didn't know that oh yeah yeah but all right so long live flash you've saved your ass Have a nice day.